Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 226th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. How about you? I'm doing well. It's been a while. Yeah, it's good uh, to be back. Good to be back in the studio. No producer Cameron today because we're on a weird day, so he was busy. Um, you've had an, an, an adventure <laughs> since we last were in the studio yeah a little bit has happened for sure um i went to new york city for christmas we were there for almost 10 days with my wife's family uh the trip started off great um spent some good time with the family and some people you know we don't see terribly often so it was good to see them spend a day in new york city we saw phantom of the opera on broadway we went to a, a new york rangers hockey game and it was sitting there at that hockey game where I started to get a little a little tickle in my throat. And I was like, hmm, this is usually the first thing that happens when I start getting sick. And sure enough, um, by the next day, I had a fever and felt terrible. And I ended up getting COVID on the trip. Getting COVID on vacation. Yeah. So I uh, spent a lot of time in that Airbnb that we had. Um, was pretty much masked the whole time I was around the family. And then my wife got COVID two days after I tested positive, so it was, um, you know, it could have been a lot worse. I mean, there's worse things than just having to stay home, I guess, but it was a pretty boring trip. And it, it could have been worse. You could have got COVID right after you came back, yeah. and then we would have been able to, we wouldn't be able to record right now. That's very, that would have been way worse. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> uh, we, uh, the listeners and I appreciate you recovering while you're away. Of course. So we could get right back to it. Mm-hmm. But yes, it felt very good to be home. It, like literally walked in the door as as uh, Missouri Kentucky game was starting. Sat down on the couch and it was just like euphoria. Like okay, I'm home. It's time. It's basketball time, and that is all behind me. <laughs> and, and you were just stuck in the uh, hotel room or Airbnb room. Yeah, literally uh, like Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. But at least Christmas Eve, you had a lot of NFL games to watch. Yes, that's true. That was like the that was the best day for sure. I think the the family was in the city. I was I was home alone watching football. That was that was pretty manageable. But <laughs> <laughs> well, glad you guys are feeling better and we're back able to record an episode. Um, we have a lot to catch up on. Um, let's see. It's a it's a brand new year hmm. already. It's 2023. So there's that. Um, Missouri played a bowl game. The basketball team is ranked since we last talked mm, yeah things are very different for missouri basketball than they were the last time we recorded that's true so we will get into all of that before we do though don't forget to subscribe on youtube leave us a review anywhere you listen to us and of course you can support the podcast directly on patreon patreon.com slash missouri sports pod i guess we'll start with the bowl game we'll have to rewind a yeah. little bit back to december back to last year yeah oh yeah See how many times I can say that. <laughs> That's what makes it really feel like a long time ago. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the Gasparilla Bowl. I had, to go, I had to go back and watch a, a replay of this game today yeah. because I, I'd mentioned this to you earlier. I uh, was probably at my worst with COVID, honestly, the night of the bowl game. I, I had a terrible fever and was feeling miserable, but was watching the game anyway. Missouri couldn't do anything to help you out. I there. was angry tweeting anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Missouri lost to Wake Forest 27 to 17. That was, uh, I felt like the bowl game was almost a microcosm of the entire Mizzou season where it looked like for a, 
certain stretches they wanted to compete and certain stretches looked like the better team. Yeah. And then they there would just be complete lapses where it makes you think how did Missouri even get bowl eligible? Yeah. Yeah, they really did. They looked like the the team of the beginning of the season that couldn't do anything and were making terrible mistakes and penalties and just drive killing mistakes and that kind of stuff. And then there was a little stretch in the middle of the game where they looked like the the team that beat South Carolina and, you know, that team. So you're right. They they really were kind of both of best worlds there. They were they were, they were both of they were yeah every little you know uh-huh. you know what i'm trying to say oh yeah they were everything that they showed us this season yep they they threw in a little bit of that uh brady cook had an interesting game threw the ball 48 times yeah that was and uh for a grand total of 215 yards and a touchdown that's got to be the most he's thrown in a game by far i would think yeah and that uh yards per attempt that's pretty awful yeah uh, he also ran the ball thir- for 38 yards on 14 carries. But, um, I mean, outside of maybe like two drives, he did not have it. And it just looked pretty clear. I don't know. This was, frustratingly, this was an easy game for me personally to just kind of check out of and be like, oh, we've just rewound to, you know, the middle of the season when things were at their worst mm-hmm. is what it felt like. And even when Missouri had the momentum for stretches, it just felt fake. Mm-hmm. And I, and that's just like probably the eternal pessimist in me just thinking, well, they've looked bad enough already in this game that that's just going to come back. Yeah. So, you know, obviously this is the first game uh, without Dominic Lovett. The offense certainly seemed to regress um, in that way. Luther Burden did have, a, he had a good game. He was targeted a lot. And I mean, you would you would expect that, but they still spread the ball around. Okay, Mookie Cooper had a yeah. one of his better games as a Tiger. Yeah, uh, six catches. Uh, Demarion Houston had his first catch. I think he had three or four catches in the game. He had a, a touchdown. touchdown. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but really, you know, I kind of felt like some of the worst parts of this game were coaching decisions, and I wrote down a few things that I was just reminded of when I watched this, the the replay today, but. Um, I mean, multiple just drive-killing mistakes. Um, I'll just I'll just run through some of the things I wrote down here. But the the first Wake Forest drive, um, uh, Chris Abrams Drain was called for pass interference in the end zone. They basically stopped him on third down. The referee that was closest to the play just said incomplete. Uh, yep. A referee across the field through the, the back flag. of the end zone. In the back uh. the, in the back of the end zone through the flag. That's kind of like you know. What, what can you do kind of play? I, th- I thought Chris Abrams Drain played it pretty well. but Yeah, I thought it was good defense. Yeah, they end up getting a touchdown there. Uh, Wake Forest, uh, second drive, they get all the way. They're deep in Missouri, in Missouri t- uh, territory. Uh, it's fourth and one, and Missouri jumps off sides. The, the defensive line um, didn't watch the ball. They, they get caught jumping on fourth and one, and Wake Forest gets another touchdown. So it's, it was like 14-3 to three at that point. Uh, I, I believe potentially the first Missouri defensive stop uh, then resulted in Luther Burden's like muffed punt fiasco where he tried to make a play and just, you know, you guys watch the game. So, and then luckily luck, Wake Forest did not end up scoring on that drive. That was, that ended in a, a Jalen Carlisle interception in the end zone. But already it's just like in the first half, we were just seeing these uh, player mistakes, like just terrible, like, what are you thinking moments? Well, then in the second half, when the players started playing better, it, we switched to coaching errors. 
and in, at least in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, there at the at the end of the third quarter, uh, Missouri offense was was driving really well. Uh, they are in Wake Forest territory. It's third and four, so it's clearly four down territory, and they throw the ball twice, and that includes fourth down as well. And fourth down's a deep shot, like to the end zone. Yeah, that was actually the next one. But oh, yeah, they just just two like not just get the first down you yeah. know you know you're in, you're in four down territory you know you've got two tries to get it you get to get four yards just run the ball or like run a more certain play and they just you know they they kill a drive there and then yeah what you're alluding to just there at the beginning of the fourth quarter basically did the exact same thing they, they were they were in wake forest territory it was uh third and three threw the ball didn't didn't convert and then it was fourth and three and they take a deep shot to the end zone and that is not successful and I just man it was just so frustrating to watch this game because obviously you know at the beginning of the year it was like coach didn't trust Brady Cook to do anything and we're probably kind of living in that bunker mentality that he's mentioned and then in this game it was almost like he was trying to make Brady Cook into something that he hasn't been all year and be Patrick Mahomes and throw 50 times in a game and that just didn't work out either. So I just felt like a, a few of those offensive coaching decisions really killed Missouri's momentum in the second half. I do think that um, some credit goes to Wake Forest defensive line because they were stopping Missouri's run game early. And I think that had to have contributed to the play calling just moving away from handing the ball off, especially in the second half. And, you know, you're trying to come back from a deficit, but. Yeah, I mean, the down and distance in that part of the field, just, you know, two f- converting there and then just getting like 10 more yards and you're in field goal range mm-hmm. and Easily. just getting points on the board. Yeah, in this game, it was a pretty low scoring game, a lot more lower scoring than we thought it was going to be. Yeah, because the defense woke up in the second half and was like, okay, we can, yeah. you know, if you told me before this game that Wake Forest was only going to score 27. Yeah. I would think that Missouri wins this game for sure, but they had seven. Missouri had seventeen points about halfway through the thir- halfway through the third quarter, and they ended the game with seventeen. So they basically did not score again. Um, so that's it was pretty disappointing. I felt like uh, Drinkwitz let that one slip away, and um, I don't think it's always his fault. But in this game, I I felt like particularly he did not coach a good offensive game and. Like we've talked about many times before, uh, I, th- I think it's time to to figure out something with the play calling, whether that's um, hire an OC or get the committee back together because um, it just we felt like we were reverted back to the worst that we've seen yeah. of the season. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Um, I thought that the, I thought Missouri's defense did okay, pre- getting some pressure, uh, but the Wake Forest quarterback Hartman looked really good mm-hmm. and especially the connection between him and wide receiver A.T. Perry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Perry had 11 catches for 116 yards um, but just the efficiency from Hartman comparing him to Cook. Hartman threw for 65 more yards than Cook on six fewer completions and 12 fewer attempts. Just way more efficient mm-hmm. and that's even with Missouri's defense getting to him a few times yeah you know um, I think Missouri's defense played pretty well Um, you can definitely see how much of a key ingredient the pass rush is you know no DJ Coleman no Isaiah McGuire 
No Trajan Jeff code in this game. You could tell yeah. that the D-line wasn't quite as potent, at least in the pass rush, that they had been towards the end of the season. Um, and that makes uh, Chris Abrams drain, Ennis Rakestraw, Jalen Carlisle, that makes their job a lot harder whenever uh, that pass rush isn't quite as potent. And I think you could definitely tell. And and like you mentioned, uh, Wake Forest quarterback, is he's really talented and uh, he's you know, potentially an NFL-level guy. He's in the transfer portal. Mm. But uh, don't get your hopes up, yeah, Mizzou I fans. I think I heard Notre Dame he's, was the... He's already linked to Notre Dame. So uh, I wouldn't... That would have been okay if he wanted to come to Mizzou, but... Anyway, uh, Missouri finishes six and seven for the second year in a row. An opportunity to look a little bit better than last year on paper with a bowl win. They couldn't quite do it. Yeah. And uh, until, and it, I hate to even be doing this, but I'm going to just look ahead to next year. I don't think outside of well, even knowing like what options are out there in the transfer portal and everything, I don't see much that Missouri's offense can do unless they hire an offensive coordinator that everybody can get excited about in the next month or so. Um, I don't see anything on the offensive side of the ball that makes me think Missouri's going to be markedly improved next year. I mean, there it's totally possible that Cook could improve, but we'll just jump right into this. Cook, uh, immediately after the bowl game, just about, uh, has surgery on a torn labrum, and he's going to miss most of the offseason and all of spring practices, just about. Yeah. Yeah, this is a pretty weird situation. Like, um, doesn't seem like it was bothering him too terribly much, or else I really don't think he would have played in the bowl game. Um, you know, I guess, I mean, they have a whole team of medical professionals on the staff. Like, I feel like if this, if it was really an issue and then somebody would have said, this is not smart for him to play, we have backup options, but Brady Cook really wants to win. Coach Jenkins really wants to win. And whether it was appropriate or not, they, uh, they didn't get this, this done before the bowl game and they, they try to win. And for those that don't know, this injury uh, was sustained originally in the Kansas State game. Yeah. So something Man. that's been a factor pretty much all season. Yeah. Now, uh, again, and now this is becoming a bit of a, a thing in Mizzou discourse right now is, you know, torn labrum, should he been playing? How much did it affect his game all season? Brady Cook looked better in the second half of the regular season than the first. Mm -hmm. We already know that. So I really don't, it, I don't think it was affecting his play that much. And to think that, two things here, to think that he would be noticeably better without that going on, that, I don't know if that is the takeaway. Um, but at the same time, uh, I don't, I, don't I, th I think this is kind of a non-story to be completely honest. Um, I've seen a little bit of the discourse and I just think that, like you're saying, the doctors on staff, the coaching staff and cook himself are going to come to a decision there with that type of injury that, mm -hmm. you know, satisfies everyone. Yeah. Um, I've dealt with a lot of knee injuries. Uh, those are tough to play through, but you know, I've never had a shoulder injury, so I'm not really sure exactly what that's like. I don't know what the extent of like a torn labrum would be like how easy that is to play through. And I'm sure there's, there's varying levels. Uh, but you know, this, this could have been something that really didn't affect him that much. And I'm t we really may never know on that, but 
I agree. I, I don't know how, how big of a story this is, but it is a little bit ironic that it's two years in a row now that coaches kind of seem to just stick to an injured quarterback. So, but I think there's some nuance there. Um, any other just final thoughts now that the season is completely done? We had a bit of a regular season recap. Um, unfortunate that they couldn't end the season with a win, but it the, the bowl games are, are a different thing now. I yeah. mean, unless you're playing in the college football playoff, basically, uh, you're going to deal with a lot of people leaving the program that aren't going to play in the bowl game and mm-hmm. stuff like that, so... Yeah, I mean, certainly would have liked to to win this one. Um, I think with some of the narratives, and I'm not, I'm definitely not making excuses for Missouri here. They they had a, every opportunity to win this game. Uh, some of the narratives, though, before the game, like you could just make, you could clearly make up that the story in your mind how this goes Wake Forest's way, and uh, I'm really not surprised that that it did. And um, you know, I just feel like. Uh, yeah, it's just like they they just continually weren't tight like with a lot of their coaching decisions and their penalties were an issue all year and they were in the bowl game too. And there's just a lot of stuff that Missouri needs to clean up and you know, that's, they've got a whole off season to figure that out. Um, but I think we can see the path forward to how we can, you know, have an, a net positive experience in, in the transfer portal. There's definitely some, some areas of opportunity uh, on the offensive line and um, definitely we've made some good additions at wide, at wide receiver. So um, you, there's a path forward to improving here, but I agree with you that I'm, I'm a little nervous about the offense kind of being disappointing again, but I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah. I'm definitely not looking forward to an entire off season. This, the, the season felt so short. Like, I feel like we were just in an off season like speculation of, mode. Yes. And just like, I don't know. It's just so easy. I feel like in the off season for everything to just be filtered through this like negative lens of well anything that's happening to the team it's happening to a six-win team so how excited can you get about good things happening to a six-win team yeah that's the mindset and i feel like we just got to understand that we just need a few things to go our way and a six-win team is an eight-win team for sure yeah like i said i definitely think you can see the path to this very similar squad you know, and it winning eight or nine games next year for sure. And, um, you know, this is an opportunity for Sam Horn this spring. He's, I mean, he basically has every opportunity, like every reason to, to claim that job next year. Cause I, I mean, we've said it before. We love Brady cook and how can you not love him as a Missouri fan? Like, how can you not love the effort and that he puts in and how hard he plays and, but his ceiling is just not where you want your, your starting sec quarterback to, to be and Sam Horn offers that and I just think he we get we got to see what he can do and so this is this is his chance to uh grow up a little bit and kind of command that job and and show that he's capable of it and we'll see how it goes uh the other big news since we were last here is uh the December uh, football signing day has come and gone and Missouri signed a, I think, 19-man class. Um, we've got a few transfers in there. So uh, I think I'll just run through the list of signees, and then I'll kick it over to you if you want to spotlight anybody or talk about any surprises. It was really, a, for the most part, a surprise-free uh, signing day. 
and the December signing day is getting to be more and more that way, I think. But uh, I'll run through the list here, and then we can talk about anybody that piques our interest. So uh, starting with the transfers, um, we signed Oklahoma transfer wide receiver Theo Weiss. We talked about him a couple weeks ago. Uh, we have not talked about Northwestern defensive line transfer Austin Firestone. He signed. Uh, he's still young, not a lot of college experience, but uh, definitely some depth. And Juco linebacker Tristan Newsom, Newson, sorry. <laughs> uh, then with the high schoolers that we signed, defensive end Ja'Kai Lang, offensive lineman Brandon Solace, kicker Blake Craig, safety Marvin Burks Jr., tight end Brett Norfleet, um, athlete listed as athlete. I don't know what position will play. Uh, Jordan Harris, defensive end, Serigne Tunkara, wide receiver, Nicholas Deloach, offensive lineman, Logan Reichert, wide receiver, Marquise Johnson, defensive back, Shamar McNeil, linebacker, Brayshawn Littlejohn, defensive lineman, Sam Williams, <coughs> wide receiver, Daniel Blood, wide receiver, Josh Manning, safety, Philip Roach, running back Jamal Roberts and quarterback Jabari Johnson. Nice job. Yeah. Um, I think this is a pretty solid class. Uh, I'm not sure that it has like the top end, like rating wise that, uh, Drinkwood's first two classes had, but I definitely love, I love a lot of these guys, especially some of the Missouri guys that are staying home, I think are exciting. So, um, as far as like kind of short term guys, maybe that I could see getting in uh, their first year, uh, maybe maybe shedding the red shirt um, just based on you know their talent and Missouri's need at, like position wise. I would say Jakai Lang is a guy that I wouldn't be shocked to see get in at defensive end. Probably needs to put on a little bit of weight. Um, Brett Norfleet I think is like a pretty obvious one where you know he's one of the highest rated guys in the class. Um, is position kind of, of need. He's a receiving tight end, which is something we really haven't had in a long time and again tight end is such a difficult position though to um to come in and play immediately it's just uh, there's a lot of responsibilities for tight ends and it's tough to come in and just and just start as a freshman or something so i don't know that he would start but i think he's someone that could maybe more situationally for sure definitely maybe uh get in there some on some special packages and and catch some some passes um let's see here i think marquise johnson is a interesting uh, wide receiver in the fact that he offers something that I'm not sure Missouri has and that's kind of a burner he's uh, he's a speedster and you know I think Mookie Cooper kind of fills that role at times but I'm still not sure that Mookie Cooper just has that straight line just burner speed that we thought he might be capable of and I just kind of like Boo Smith last year I think Missouri just needs somebody that can just run as fast as they can down just run a, a go route mm-hmm. take the top off the defense and, and make them um, kind of respect to the deep ball. And I mean, you just, you saw it so many times this year, Missouri could not connect on the deep ball, especially with Luther burden. Like again, he, Luther burden is extremely like talented wide receiver, but I'm not sure the go route is his specialty. And I think he's more just kind of short and intermediate route guy. Who's just kind of, you know, bust through tackles and that kind of stuff. But I'm not sure that anyone has that, that Missouri has that guy on the roster right now that can just Tyreek Hill, the defense, and I think Marquise Johnson could fill that for sure. And that's something you kind of need. I mean, that a college football offense in 2022 is not complete without right. a guy that can take the top off the defense. For sure. I agree. Um, you mentioning Luther Burden and sort of his role in the wide receiver core. 
I, I was noticing when I was kind of looking over the end of season stats that he, for how many catches he had, he really, I would have expected him to have more yards mm-hmm. for how many receptions he yeah, ended up a with. A lot of short passes, short and intermediate passes. Which yeah. And he had his fair share of as good as he is, he was put in some tough spots sometimes where oh, yeah. he was just tackled at the line of scrimmage. Oh man. And a lot of plays where he made something out of nothing. Yeah. And so, you know, that's an area opportunity for him to improve. But this year, he was really not a, a, a much of a deep threat. And so we'll, we'll see if Luther Burden can add that dimension to his game. But, you know, Dominic Lovett was really probably the primary deep threat, at least in this, this season's offense. So uh, we'll see what Marquise Johnson can do. And then Josh Manning, I think, is, a, is a kind of a more long-term um, prospect that I'm excited about. I don't know that I see him making much of a difference in his first season or two, but really, really great prospect that um, just has a little bit of of development to do physically, but could be great. Uh, And then, of course, Javari Johnson. So Mm. I think that's he's um, uh, he's a really unique quarterback prospect and that he's super mobile, has a great arm. Um, Broke all kinds of records in the state of Washington. For sure. And I think he just kind of has that that skill set to where if he does hit, he could just kind of break uh, an offense in a good way. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. he could just explode. And um, to will, will he enroll early? You think? I can't. I think we know for sure if he is or not. And I'll see I see if I can look can't it up. remember if he is, but for some reason I feel like he's not enrolling early. But could be wrong on that. So just the nature of his game, though, is he's very mobile, like uh, just explosive athlete, but also, of course, a very capable thrower. Um, someone who has that really high ceiling that you look for, I think, in, in quarterback recruits. And, you know, I don't, again, I don't, I don't know. I just, it's tough to know where Sam Horn is right now um, in his development. But and so I don't, I don't know that I see Jabari Johnson challenging his first season, but hopefully if he sticks around for two or three years, I definitely think he'll, he's got a shot. Yeah, obviously Norfleet really looking forward to seeing him develop. Um, Marvin Burks, that's uh, another one of the top guys in the state. Getting him to stay home was pretty big. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's interesting. You know, these guys are going to be counted on some of them pretty early because, you know, we have a lot of guys returning on the defense for this upcoming season, but that also means we're going to have a lot of departures after the 2023 season. Mm-hmm. So these guys may be forced into action pretty early in their careers, and so that gives them kind of one one year of development and – Hopefully you're ready by year two because a lot of these guys will be playing. Uh, let me look through. I didn't find anything on uh, Jabari Johnson enrolling early, so we can assume I th- not. I until think he's a summer guy, okay. but uh, someone can definitely correct us on that if we're wrong. Um, I think one takeaway sort of on the negative side of things, we talked about there not being like the top end recruit, which obviously we're not even, we're not talking about like a Luther Burden caliber guy, but um, we still more four stars in this class depending on where you look it's like four or five Mm -hmm. uh than any year under barry odom and plenty of years under gary pinkle so we're still doing okay with the four star guys that that will make a difference later on um i just wish i'm 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 feeling like we're gonna need to hit the transfer portal pretty hard for offensive line for sure and yeah it's been a little quiet yeah. So far. Yeah. Um, it's pretty tough not to mention Logan, Logan record for sure. I think he's a guy I'm really excited about long-term, but just generally 
I have zero expectation for a freshman to come in and make. Oh yeah, it may really even like the first two seasons. I yeah. have very little to no expectation for even the best offensive line recruits to come in and make a difference. And obviously Armand Mimbu got in there this season just because of out of, out of necessity and played really well. But I, I'm, that might be the first time I've ever seen a true freshman play meaningful snaps uh, on offensive line. So I would 100% agree. Um, we're going to have to hit the transfer portal pretty hard, and hopefully we start seeing some movement soon because yeah. hasn't we haven't really seen anything. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I don't necessarily want to just run it back with the exact same starters next year. Um, and yeah, I mean, just we go through cycles and now, uh, it's not, uh, the book is not completely shut on this class, even, you know, with high school recruits. But again, if we're just talking about next year's team, you could add, you know, two of the top offensive linemen in the country to this recruiting class. And that's not necessarily going to put you over the top next year. Mm Mm-hmm. I do think there's a lot of opportunity for this staff um, in the transfer portal, not this current season, but the following one, just because they'll have so much opportunity and playing time to sell. So we, I, that, and that's, you know, that's where we are in college football. That's uh, a blessing and a curse, I think, um, is the, is the transfer portal. But I definitely think next season's transfer portal could be, could be a banger, they say. And we do have a ton of guys returning. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that in just a second. I wanted to mention Missouri's class ranks. This was on 24 seven sports 11th in the sec 31st in the country on the 24 seven sports composite rankings. So not, not too bad. I'd like to see that overall ranking in the twenties consistently, but 31st, if that's our low point, you know, on if, if the class on either side is better than 31st, we'll be okay. Um, now talking about the roster and then, uh, like departures and players that have announced their return. Um, it's basically easier at this point to say the players that aren't coming back next year. And we did get a new one of those today with Elijah young announcing that he is entering the transfer portal. So one of the few departures on the offensive side of the ball on the defensive side of the ball, almost everybody's coming back and, just every day we've been hearing a new announcement of, of a player deciding to return for either their COVID year or just not entering their name in the draft or the transfer portal. It's like mm-hmm. we're getting announcements for players that had no chance of going pro, just basically announcing like, I'm coming back to Mizzou for one more year. Yeah. I and mean, that's, it's, it's fine. good to see. Hype it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think Missouri will, uh, you know, we still have a, an announcement from um, <clears throat> Tyron Hopper that we're kind of waiting on, but it's expected that he will probably return, and if that is the case, I think Missouri returns maybe I don't know eighty eighty five percent of their of their snap percentage from last year of a of a really really solid defense. So um, yeah, like Ennis Rakestraw, Trajan Jeffcoat, Jalen Carlisle, uh, Jalen Jernigan, Chris Abrams, Drain, Chad Bailey, uh, and Darius Robinson have all individually announced they're returning. So. That's uh, pretty exciting. Um, and like you said, I mean, it, it's easier to say who's not returning, which uh, from the starters, that's DJ Coleman and Isaiah McGuire. Uh, but that's pretty Martez much Manuel. Martez Manuel, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's, uh, that's pretty much it. Also, Devin Nicholson is transferring, but by the, you know, by the end of his career at Missouri, he wasn't playing a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, one thing that we forgot to talk about in the Gasparilla Bowl was the little dust up between uh chad bailey and ennis rakestraw yeah i think that ended up just being more humorous than anything yes i, think. I thankfully 
we were just able to laugh about that after the fact, but it was hilarious. I, I was trying to figure it out right in the moment. Like I'm pretty sure Chad Bailey's mad at him for helping up the quarterback or attempting to yes. help up the quarterback. I believe you're right. There, somebody said it could have been confusion that Chad Bailey thought that rake straw was like taunting him mm-hmm. and he didn't want to get a penalty. So he's mad about that. Mm. If I was Chad Bailey, I might go with that. <laughs> I'm just feeling, yeah, that was it. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny how it just cuts to coach and he's oh, just yeah. like scratching his head, like takes his hat off, scratching. It's like we don't even know if that's what he was looking at, yeah. but it's just like that was just kind of a perfect shot of him looking puzzled after the strange little dust up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they posted on, uh, they were both like apologizing to each other on yes. social media afterwards. And, like, uh, of course. Pictures like, of them together. It's like the only thing on TV, sports wise, like on a yeah. random Friday night in December. So. Of course, it just like goes viral, basically. Yeah. Like everybody was tweeting about it. Uh, anyway, that was just a funny moment. Wanted to bring that up. Um, let's see. It just reminded me because Chad Bailey will be returning. Um, anything else for the football side of things? Um, we were able to watch some of the college football playoff together a couple of days ago, and. Uh, pretty big i don't know with vegas upset or whatever but tcu beating michigan was kind of wild and the way both of those games being shootouts was kind of crazy yeah that two great games man they're really entertaining high scoring games Mm -hmm. um uh yeah i just think tcu is the perfect reason i mean they ended up making the the top four this year but i think tcu is a great example of why the 12 team playoff is going to be really fun because nobody in a million years would have ever seen tcu getting to the national championship game uh, they've kind of been the the darling team for sure uh, to the, the Cinderella, if you will. But um, yeah, two great games, uh, lots of great offense, that's for sure. And mm-hmm. I, I really thought Georgia was out of it, and they came yeah. back. So thanks to Ohio State's just god awful defense. So yeah, but I yeah one one more thing just on uh, everybody coming back and everything I'll say just uh, for Mizzou's defense. I know. didn't. I also didn't kick it over to you on uh, Elijah Young. Oh yeah, uh, yeah just you know kind of a disappointing Mizzou career honestly I think you know I thought he was a, a, a talented guy and obviously I think there's a lot that happens that we don't see that we you know we, we just watch the guys on, on the field of play and you know he looked good when he was out there always seemed like a good athlete but um, maybe just uh, I don't know never seemed to quite earn a, a starting role or a meaningful role on, on the offense so um, wish the best to him yeah I'm gonna make a just a completely wild prediction here that he goes to maybe a, a lower conference and does pretty well yeah he's, he's from Tennessee maybe he goes to Memphis or something like that and and does well I, I could see him yeah just dropping down even like half a level yeah and where being he's plenty productive and yeah. yeah for sure especially in like a third down pass catching role yeah for sure but I definitely think that was expected and I really just hope that this means next year to Tavoris Jones show <laughs> yeah um, but I was just going to say on, on all these guys returning, you know, again, we, we really only see this coaching staff in action um, on game day and on the field. And it's really easy to pick apart everything they're doing and their, their clock management or their, their play calling and that kind of stuff. But um, I think this is uh, all these guys returning and wanting to run it back for another year when they have other opportunities is just a great testament to the, the job the coaching staff's doing, whether it's behind the scenes and or. Um, just being leaders of men and um, I think they're doing a really good job and clearly you know they have a great 
chemistry and, and bond and i think they're they're having fun playing football so in this era of college football this is extremely rare so yeah. um great job um keeping all this together by the coaching staff and i would say the um the fact that chris abrams drain and ennis rakestraw are sort of like i don't know they're coming back together to go at it one more time mm-hmm. that like kind of set the tone for me those two coming back uh i think is a really big deal yeah. and speaks a lot to the defense as a whole being a pretty cohesive unit mm-hmm. regardless of if you're trying to help up the opposing quarterback <laughs> all right so we will switch gears now to basketball basketball has been a bit more fun as of late um last time we were here Mizzou had gotten trounced by Kansas and then won against UCF on the buzzer beater from DeAndre Golston. UCF, by the way, um, we should be rooting for them to win as many games as possible this season. Mm -hmm. We need that neutral site game to be a quadrant one win. And just the fact that I'm saying that brings a smile to my face. We're talking about like resume type of stuff right now. Oh yeah. It's truly basketball season. If we're talking about resume stuff. So be rooting for UCF, of course. Um, but Mizzou uh, came out, bragging rights game in St. Louis, and just destroyed Illinois. Mizzou won 93-71. to 71. Largest lead of the game at one point was 35. Yeah. I have no idea what happened in that game. I mean, we can try and analyze, uh, we, we can try to analyze this thing, but it's like, I th- I have no idea what happened. Missouri was playing in phenomenal Illinois just looked like they had no desire to be there that night. I don't know if it was just almost Christmas and they were ready to go home or what, but this was uh, the one day I did get in New York City. Uh, this was the day that, that, that this game happened, and so <laughs> I didn't get to watch it live. I had to go back and watch it the next day, but I, I was watching the score on my phone just thinking, what is happening? Just seeing Missouri get out to a you know, 20, 30-point lead, um, I was just wishing that I could be a part of it, but um, just an absolutely insane performance. Kobe Brown with 31 points, five rebounds, eight assists, and four steals. And he was three for four from three. 31 points for Kobe. Uh, Des Moines Hodge added 20 points on four of nine shooting from three. Uh, you mentioned Mizzou going on a run in the first half. At one point, they went on a 22 to three run. Um, and then a little bit later, they went on a 10 0 run. So if you put all of that together, one long extended run, it was. 39 to 11 for a stretch there. Yeah, it really just felt like they got back to the team they were at the beginning of the season where, you know, they were just taking advantage of, you know, playing quickly, getting getting back um, faster than the defense can get back. And, um, you know, the second Illinois misses a shot, we're just, we're going down. We're, we're going to beat you down and to the other end of the court and get an easy layup. Uh, they were hitting threes. Um, Illinois was not hitting threes, which is something they typically do pretty well. So, you know, I mean, coming into this game, I remember predicting a pretty easy Illinois win because it, everything we had seen up to that point just was seemed prescriptive of Illinois doing whatever they wanted to do. Um, they play great on the perimeter. They shoot well. And that was something Missouri had shown they could, did not know how to defend, was a good three-point shooting team, team that, you know, is well-balanced and passes the ball around and uh, everybody's capable of shooting. Like it just seemed like a recipe for disaster, but, uh, Missouri's defense has really clicked in the last couple of games. It, like what looked like at the beginning of the season, even, even when they were winning games, they looked completely out of whack on their rotations. Mm-hmm. They're leaving guys wide open. 
and that has not been happening. Yeah, uh, Illinois, like you said, pretty good shooting team. They were off this night, and uh, Missouri's defense stepped up. But I have to imagine this has got to be the worst three-point shooting game Illinois will play all season. I mean, Matthew Mayer was four of eight from three. The rest of the team was three for 23. Pretty bad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Terrence Shannon, honestly probably one of the best players in the country uh he still put up points in this game but not how he typically does i feel like and what was he over five from three yeah uh 10 of his points came from free throws yeah 10 of his 22 yeah it's probably the worst game he'll play all season and he still scored what 15 or something 22 yeah 22 oh my gosh okay yeah mayor was 16 um yeah missouri looked they did what they did against like 300 level kimpom teams against illinois yeah um Forcing turnovers, to, uh, Illinois turned the ball over 17 times, and uh, Missouri was getting runouts. Missouri shot 64% from two and 50% from three. That'll win you pretty much every game. Yeah. Um, let's see here. According to Ken Palm, this was the 14th most dominant performance of the year <laughs> so far. And that, I'm sure that includes, like, yeah. Top-ranked teams versus yeah, just, cupcakes. Yeah, ridiculous blowouts and stuff. Yeah, That's insane. Um, Illinois did I, – I noted that Illinois had 19 offensive rebounds to Mizzou's nine, but that's going to happen when you're just missing a ton of shots Yeah, when you're Illinois. Yeah, I do kind of feel like Missouri played about as well as they possibly could and Illinois about as bad as they possibly could, but I don't know, man. The bragging rights games are just weird like that. It's like things you would never expect happen every year in the bragging rights game, and – uh, seems like we've been doing a lot of winning in that series in the last five or six years. Yeah, Missouri uh, sort of getting back to what they had been doing. Like you said, 23 assists for Mizzou to Illinois' 10. That's just crazy. Just makes uh, you wonder what happened against Kansas a little bit yeah. because they that was really the one uncharacteristic game that they've played this season. So, yeah, we'll touch on this. Or I'll touch on this a little bit more when we talk about the Kentucky game and just kind of where we're at with this Mizzou team. Um man i'd like to have that kansas game back but yeah. then again maybe um, they needed that exactly yeah a little bit of a wake-up call like, yeah okay maybe we're not as good as we thought we were and it makes me think even more now that that environment that just overwhelmed them a little bit i agree i in the apparently the bragging rights game it was like kind of a crazy weather night right it right. probably wasn't as well attended as yeah normally, for sure for sure as it normally would be yeah yeah really bad weather in st louis all across the Midwest at that time. Um, but yeah, Missouri just, and Illinois, like you said at the beginning, acted like they didn't want to be there. They played so soft. I mean, that's just what kept coming into my head was like, this Illinois team looks soft. Mm. They didn't want any part of Kobe Brown. He was able to do whatever he wanted. And I love Kobe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's such a beast. Uh, we'll be able to talk about him a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, it's like, the, it's like the beginning of the game. So I, I, I like I said I had to watch the the game the next day um and I was kind of watching like thinking like okay at any time like they're gonna go on this huge run here because mm-hmm. you know it was they got off to a, a nice start right there at the beginning I think it was like six to zero to start off but really it was a little bit of a back and forth kind of a struggle for through the first 10 minutes of the game or so but it was, all it was of 12 sudden, to 10 Illinois yeah when Mizzou took off and yeah just all of a sudden just a switch flipped and Missouri just turned it on it's like they scored the next 20 points in the game yeah 
yeah that was just so fun (laughs) and but it made me think like so we had the ucf game with the buzzer beater and then this just absolute blowout i was like man why couldn't we have had either one of those in the kansas game when we were there to watch them but that's not how it goes and uh if okay well let me ask you this question would you trade would you trade okay I'm, I'm trying to think on the fly here. So let's say the, uh, I think I would take any option that means Mizzou beats Kansas in that game that we were attending. Okay. What about this? Yeah. Let's say Missouri beats Kansas, uh-huh. but they just, that was like a fluke and they just kind of suck the rest of the year. They don't make the, they don't make the tournament. Or we get whatever or happens this year. We get whatever happens. We lose to Kansas and then just, we turn into a top 20 team all uh, just uh, immediately. I gotta, I gotta say, I'll take the loss. I'll, yeah. I'll sacrifice that game, even though we were there to see it. Assuming we just keep playing well and make the tournament, yeah, I think I'll just, I think yeah. I take that. In the back of my head, though, there's always that, like, well, this could be the peak of the season. Sure, but yeah, I mean, that is again the, a blessing and a curse of college athletics is it's a roller coaster, mm-hmm. and right now it feels like we're on top of the world. And I remember uh, Missouri basketball feeling that way two seasons ago and it crashed and burned so i'm not saying that's gonna happen this year but anything can happen well we haven't even got to the second half of why we're on top of the world because mizzou went on to beat kentucky um 89 to 75 behind another 30 point game from kobe brown 30 points six rebounds two assists two steals yeah this game was almost more surprising than illinois game even though it was a little bit closer i remember circling the kentucky game before the season started just thinking there's no way we win this game. We match up so horribly against Kentucky. We have no inside presence. We're going to get dominated on the boards. Sheway's going to go for 50 points and, uh, and he, 50 rebounds. He still, he still had he a game. He still did that. 23 and 19. But I think their supporting cast just kind of let him down. Yeah. And they just, I don't know, maybe Kentucky just isn't as good as we thought they were. But um, they, I don't know, Missouri just looked like the better team. Yeah, Shibuya played all 40 minutes in the game. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, 23 points, 19 rebounds. I honestly, he's a monster. This seems like such a small thing um, to point out, but honestly, I feel like if you – I don't even know if you can call it an emergence of Ronnie DeGray, though, but he just giving this team something that we did not have in the first, I don't know, eight or ten games of the season. Like, he went from basically the 12th man on the bench to starting, Yeah, and he is – providing rebounding and defensive help that no one else on the team was providing beforehand mm-hmm. and i really just kind of feel like he's plugging a hole that we that we desperately needed yeah and i love that uh coach gates is like it doesn't matter if you were getting zero minutes two weeks ago if you yeah. if i put you in and you you know make it happen then we'll stick with you yeah and, and even still he's not a scoring threat right. he like he's airballed a couple of threes like he's not gonna go in there and, and score but i love that coach gates recognizes like his role and how he benefits the team and honestly he's i kind of thought gomillion might fill that role a mm-hmm. little bit where he's just the glue guy and he still kind of is but uh i honestly think the grays is just filling a need that no one else can right now yeah i said on discord um a couple weeks ago maybe like during the ucf game um man what i would do for ronnie de gray to just like tomorrow be like 610 <laughs> yeah so probably would, go to the nba yeah that would be uh missouri would be like a final four caliber team if they Seriously. had a uh, ronnie de gray but he's 610 yeah 
it's just uh you know we we've ha- we have other tall guys on the team but nobody is is just willing to get their hands dirty like Ronnie DeGray and uh I got to respect that I'm I'm really I'm thankful that he stuck around he's one of the only guys that did from last year yeah, the offense in the t- in the Kentucky game was clicking, um, not quite to the degree of the um, Illinois game. Uh, in this one, Missouri uh, shot forty percent from three, fifty six percent from two, and but they got to the free throw line twenty eight times. Missouri made twenty three out of twenty eight free throws, and a lot of that was down the stretch uh, when when Kentucky was trying to claw their way back in. Uh, but there was a point like i don't know four or five minutes left in the game where i was just like they got it i'm not worried yeah they like it would be it it was like i don't know we had it and that is such a rare feeling i feel like i I, mean yeah we've had some pretty epic collapses in the conzo martin era and it that just was not on the table in either one of these games no i never felt like that was happening um Demoy Hodge again in double figures, Sean East in double figures against Kentucky, as well as Golston. So some balance scoring there, but uh, just Kobe Brown again. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm remembering back. Um, I can't even remember exactly what game this would have been on the back of, but we had a conversation on the podcast about like, can Kobe Brown be the best player on? What's this? What's a Mizzou team ceiling with Kobe Brown as the best player? Mm. And I think we're going to basically get that this year. I mean, that's what we've seen now in the Illinois game and the Kentucky game. Yeah, I like that team quite a bit. Yeah, and uh, we, I think we said at the time, you know, surround him with shooters, um, and ideally we would have like an athletic <laughs> shot blocking big at the five spot. Right. So obviously we know that's not what this team has but yeah we've surrounded him with shooters and guards that can get him the ball in good spots and he can make his own basket yeah. he can like create his own shot he's hitting spot up threes yeah yeah he kind of is uh selective with his three-point shooting mm-hmm. but has been hitting and yeah i mean he just is such physically just such a beast and i feel like i don't know what clicked but there's been some games where he's really disappeared this year at the beginning of the year yeah and, and, and that's, uh, I mean, don't expect 30 points no. night in, night out. No. But like Kansas, he was a complete non-factor and has had some defensive struggles and stuff this year. But I don't know. It seems like the whole team really just kind of clicked at the same time. And he's realized, like, okay, this is what I'm capable of. Uh, there, I can score from anywhere on the floor. I can, you know, I can bang around with anyone down low. Um, I'm, I, can, I can do this. And so crafty. I mean... The, the angles he makes shots from are, are ridiculous sometimes. They're like, mm-hmm. sometimes he'll get going, and I'm like, I don't think this is going to end well, and he just yep. gets it up there off the glass for a basket. Um, I think that um, Ronnie DeGray is potentially taking some of that defensive pressure off of Kobe and just freeing yep. him up a little bit. I, I You could tell Coach Gates was not happy with the defense when – kobe and noah carter were yep. on the floor at the same time right yep Those and we've guys. rarely seen that and that was like i guess early in the kansas game yeah it was awful it was not working and i don't think we've seen them on the floor together very much since then yep but ronnie gray and just another example of him contributing um so now after the kentucky game missouri is 12 and 1 obviously now 1 and 0 in sec play 33rd in Kempom. The Kempom roller coaster this year has been quite uh quite a yeah. doozy. So Yeah, they've 
jumped like 30 spots in the last couple yeah weeks. missouri starting out the year like 40th um after the before the wichita state game we're 37th then after the kansas game we're down to 62 and now we're all the way back up to 33 and number 20 in the ap poll number 20 in the ap poll 21 in the coaches poll we are on the good side of the bubble on bracketology barttorvik.com has us as a seven seed things are looking good yeah things are great right now gotta keep it going unfortunately next up on the schedule is arkansas they are number 10 in Kempom, 35th on offense, 5th on defense. They're 11-2 and two overall. Their two losses coming against number 26, Creighton, and then just uh, last night or night before, um, on the road against number 75, LSU. Some good wins earlier in the season over 24, San Diego State, number 29, Oklahoma, number 79, Bradley, all neutral site games there, uh, but... The recent loss to LSU is important because this that's the same uh, Arkansas team we're going to see tomorrow night because they're without Trevon Brazil and they're without their five-star freshman, Nick Smith. Yeah, yeah. as painful as it was to watch, Trevon Brazil was looking fantastic uh, at the beginning of the season. He looks like an NBA player, and it's very sad, And but he's out for the season. And, uh, yeah, like you said, Nick Smith, I mean, very possibly the number one pick in the NBA draft. And so Arkansas is going to be without those guys. And who knows how long they're going to be without uh, Nick Smith. I think they've played – he's only played, what, five games this season? Yeah, He's out indefinitely for knee management. Yeah, so – and you just never know with those NBA guys, like when they're just kind of decide to make a a business decision, which you can't blame them. So I would not blame Nick Smith or Trevin Brazil, you know, if you just want to take the – the rest of your college careers off and forego your eligibility yeah. and go to the NBA draft. It's fine with me. More power to you. I recommend it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Arkansas is left with uh, kind of some role players. Uh, you know, Ricky Council is a great player transfer from from Wichita State. He's gonna he's probably their best player now. But Arkansas is a little less scary uh, talent wise than they than they once were. Yeah, and you brought up uh, pre show Missouri gets to play Arkansas twice in the next two weeks basically mm-hmm. so and who knows if if smith comes back at all this year but uh there's a decent chance that missouri will get to play arkansas twice without who the two guys that so far you know the amount that they played early in the season were arkansas's two best players right for sure uh, brazil was looking incredible oh my gosh i know it's awful to watch we can say that a, now because, he, because he's uh not playing anymore this year and we kind of knew that was going to happen yeah. man he kind of started to look that way at the end of his mizzou career he was just just doing incredible things uh but so with arkansas oh one interesting stat that i found uh so brazil was actually making quite a few threes and nick smith was a good as a decent shooter uh before he went out so the rest of their team not real keen on shooting threes um the rest of their team, so the team that will be playing Mizzou tomorrow night, has made a total of 42 threes on the season, as of right now. Demoy Hodge by himself has made 41. I like the sound of that. Yeah, yeah. They do not attempt many threes. They don't make many threes. Um, so that that limits you quite a bit. Whenever that's a pretty big dimension of the game, if you're not able to do it well, uh, that takes some mystery out of the out of the game plan. 
Um, I, you know, this game's on the road. I kind of feel like Bud Walton is an incredibly difficult place to win. Uh, they're, I'm sure they're going to pack that place out. It's going to be loud. It's going to be hostile. Um, but, you know, Missouri has some experience and some swag right now that is, you know, you never know what can happen when a team's playing the way they are, when things are clicking. Uh, this feels like a pretty winnable game for Missouri, even on the road. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, uh, I was going to say preseason, I was penciling this in as a loss. loss. I mean, 85% of the time. And these Arkansas still got some players, and with it being on the road, like you said, um, let's see, with those guys out, they're going to be relying more on freshmen uh, Jordan Walsh and Anthony Black, who Walsh was like a top 10 guy out of high school hasn't really done a ton so far he gets in foul trouble easily um but i just wanted to point out in the arkansas lsu game that just happened last week um anthony black and ricky council and junior Devonte davis all played 40 minutes mm. and then uh not a lot of depth right uh senior transfer from rhode island uh, makai mitchell played 36 minutes and then Jordan Walsh at 32. So yeah, getting him in foul trouble could be huge. Yeah. Man, I'm. I mean, this is the perfect time to play Arkansas. Yeah, they they, they haven't figured out what exactly they're going to do without those two guys yet. Yeah, when they come to Columbia in a couple of weeks, if they still have the same exact squad personnel wise, it's really going to be disappointing if Missouri can't win. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, just in college basketball, I don't know what it is. Just the the environment is everything. Mm-hmm. So I view this game as a more of kind of a, a coin flip, honestly. I could see it going either way. I don't know. What do you think? I think this is a win for Missouri? Man, if, if there ever was going to be one... It would be now, but I'm just really not sure. Kim Palm has Arkansas 84-76. I don't think it's going to be that high scoring of a game. I also don't think Arkansas is the 10th best team in the country right now. True. Um, Arkansas still, though, their length on the perimeter, they're able to switch, especially with this lineup. Yeah. They're probably going to switch one through five on Missouri. Yeah, the, it's going to be really hard for Missouri to score. I think that is the one thing they do have going for them. And, um, you know, I, Missouri has exposed their game plan at this point enough times where it's, you know, this is this is the blueprint for how Missouri beats you. If you miss a shot, you better bust yeah. your butt but down the yeah. court because Missouri's going to beat you down there. If Arkansas can can figure that out and can limit that, um, Missouri could have some issues scoring in this game for sure. Arkansas... Uh, in the top 100 as far as not turning the ball over on offense so they're not going to be gifting Missouri too many possessions if Missouri can get them sped up uh, you know maybe they could take advantage of something there Mm. I think this might be just like kind of an ugly low scoring game but I think it'll be close till the end it feels it feels a little silly for me to think that Missouri will beat Arkansas twice this year. And I definitely think if it's the same squad coming to Columbia, Missouri gets that win. And it was so nice being so wrong on our Illinois oh, and man. Kentucky predictions. I was way off. I kind of just want to keep that rolling a little <laughs> just bit. Just keep predicting losses. Yeah. I feel like this will be kind of a low-scoring game, maybe a little ugly. Probably Missouri's offense comes back down to earth a little bit. I'm going to say 
I'm going to say Missouri wins this game 69 to 68. Wow. I hope you're right. Yeah, I think I got to I think I got to go Arkansas in this game just because that's bring, bring some sanity. That's, that's how things go on the yes, road. Yes. And hopefully I'm wrong like it was against Illinois, but uh, I'll say Arkansas wins it 72-69. Nice. Regardless, I think this is winnable. Oh, absolutely. There, I don't see... I'm still going to be mad if they don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm still going to be expecting them yeah. to win, uh, knowing what we know. But, um, you know, I'd, it, it would be huge. I mean, we, we came into this stretch of games thinking, if we can just win one, I would be over the moon. If we can we can beat Illinois, Kentucky, Arkansas, which if we just win one of those games, mm-hmm. I'll be thrilled. And we have an opportunity to win all three of them. Yeah. Yeah. Even... Even getting, if you told me Illinois, we beat Illinois and Kentucky, what those two wins have done for our postseason prospects is crazy. Yeah, it's like I don't like to root for Illinois. Like you mentioned earlier with UCF, I mean, you almost kind of have to root for Illinois and Kentucky a little bit. If there's any, if there's any doubt on Selection Sunday, we already have those things going for us. That's that's pretty awesome ammunition to have. But you gotta you gotta make sure those are quad one wins. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's potentially three, potentially a fourth now with Arkansas quadrant one win in the first, and you're not even through the first week of January. Uh, it was obviously pointed out plenty of times on, on the internet that Missouri has won 12 games this year already. Uh, they won 12 games all of last season. Nice. 12th game last year, 12th win last year came in the sec tournament on March 9th. It's pretty brutal. I don't even want to go well you go back a few more years earlier than that and we were not even winning double digit games so now I remember yeah I remember that <laughs> um man this should be another fun one I, yeah. although it'll be I, stressful I don't think Missouri's offense goes crazy like they did against Illinois and Kentucky if we can get if uh if if Kobe is having a little bit more normal game but Demoy Hodge is still making threes. If Noah Carter can make a couple threes, I loved getting some scoring from Sean East in the Kentucky game. He had been a little bit quiet before that. Man, it's just so fun having a basketball team with with different combinations of lineups yeah. that can so do fun. something for you. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other night after we beat Kentucky, and we you know are now one and zero in the SEC standings. It was like. God, this is so fun just to think, just to like, oh my God, the SEC standings is like matter again. I remember a few years ago when, uh, you know, I think, I guess it was the 2017 season, just like every day I was just like fantasizing about like getting that double buy in the SEC oh, tournament, yeah. just like paying attention to literally every team and what they did every game. And I feel like we could be doing that again this season. Yeah. Like, I mean, just we were talking about last year and, you know, late in the season, our, Am I watching, you know, whatever Mississippi State versus South Carolina, like late February last year? No, of course not. But if we're right there, you know, where who Ole Miss is playing oh, yeah. on a random Tuesday uh, night matters. I'll have college basketball Ooh. on every night. Oh, it's a different game. Um, so win or lose against Arkansas, we've got a game back home on Saturday against Vanderbilt. Got to win this one. Um, if we're talking about postseason NCAA tournament resume and all that, this uh, would be 
at the end of the year, this would probably be considered a bad loss yeah. if we were to drop this one against Vanderbilt. About as much of a gimme as you can get in SEC play. Mm-hmm. Vanderbilt, 95th on Kim Palm, so still a top yeah. 100 team as of right now. Yeah, they're not bad. 99th on offense, 109 on defense. They are 7-6 and six so far this season. Their best win was a one-point win at home over uh, number 66, Pittsburgh. Their worst loss was a two-point loss at home to 230th-ranked Grambling State. Yikes. Um, No Scottie Pippen Jr.? No Scottie Pippen Jr. They could really use him. And honestly, they would be pretty good if he had come back. They've got uh, a lot of upperclassmen. They've got a a sharpshooter on the wing with uh, Miles Stute. He's probably their best player. He has already made 43s on the season. So almost as Arkansas. many as Arkansas's entire team. Uh, he's shooting 47% from three. Man. They also have seven-footer Liam Robbins, who is one of the best shot blockers in the country. He transferred in from, I can't remember where. Liam Robbins transferred in from, oh, previously played at Drake, then spent a year at Minnesota. I thought that name sounded familiar. Mm-hmm. He played for your... Uh, Relative. I can folk. <laughs> uh, so let's see. Anything else? Uh, Vanderbilt transfer point guard Ezra. I don't know if it's Mannion or Mangin. Uh, he's just a pass first point guard, pesky defender, gets a lot of steals, pretty terrible shooter. Um, he, yeah. That's what it says in the scouting report. Like, you just don't even guard him. That, that, if I was writing the scouting report, it would say exactly that. Um, I don't know. This Vanderbilt team's interesting. Like, on any night, if they really put it all together, like, Stute could make five threes in a game, and their point guard could get four steals and have ten assists, and Liam Robbins could have six blocks and just finish at the rim. But they're just kind of weird. Like, the players that do something well kind of do everything else poorly yeah it's like they specialize at one thing and don't do anything else yeah like robin's the seven footer one of the very best shot blockers in the country finishes at the rim but then he also has 22 three-point attempts on the season shooting 18 percent. nice so why do they still have jerry stackhouse yeah how many games has he been thrown out of this year (laughs) (laughs) yeah he he does have a knack for that a little bit of a temper yeah um I don't know how much longer he has there. Uh, last year was a solid team, but didn't make the NCAA tournament with 19 wins. Kind of rode his best player. Yeah, this year definitely going to be worse and miss the postseason again. Can he go four seasons with no postseason action mm. and come back? How can Jerry Stackhouse not convince some NBA hopeful to come score 20 a game at Vanderbilt? You'd think he'd figure it out. Yeah, you'd think especially in like with the transfer portal that he could snag exactly. just like some high-volume score. I mean, somebody in the mold of Scottie Pippen Jr. should be coming in and out of there every year just about. Not not usually as good as him, though. Maybe they're scared of him. Maybe. <laughs> He's too intimidating. <laughs> he really is. Um, this has got to be a win. This is. Uh, there's been some conversation on Twitter that I've seen about like, I think some Mizzou fans are even just like people watching Mizzou from the outside. And this is the case for me too. I have a tendency to be like, oh, maybe Illinois and Kentucky aren't that good. Yeah. But even if that's the case, then 
you would still need to be a pretty good Mizzou team to beat them the way they did. To blow them out of the water, yeah, yeah exactly. For sure. So I'm looking at this Vanderbilt game like uh, even a good Mizzou team would potentially lose on the road to Arkansas, even without some good players. But a good Mizzou team is has got to win at home against Vanderbilt here because it's really hard to win on the road, and getting this team at home is just an opportunity to put them away. Yeah, we've seen how like jumbled the SEC standings are at the, at the end of the year. Like, you're gonna want that win against Vanderbilt oh, yeah. at home. Like, oh, yeah. you're gonna need it even to jump from you know. There's one or two games separating like the four and the ten seed sometimes. Yeah. So you're you're gonna need every win you can get. They get this one, I say. Uh, you know, if we're going off of, <laughs> geez, I'm like, I'm predicting like a five game win streak here um yeah missouri's gonna win they're gonna get real close to 90 points i'm gonna say missouri wins this one 87 to 74 Mm. yeah i think missouri wins give me like 81 71 Mm. two wins would be chef's kiss yeah we can't be too disappointed if they lose on the road to arkansas but but I would man, the situation, ecstatic. yes, the, yeah, the way it's lining up, yes. Yeah, I hate that though when I get my hopes up too much. Ugh, I know it's that's happening. A, that's it's almost happening. why Illinois and Kentucky games were just so sweet is because I just don't think anybody saw those those yeah. outcomes coming at all. <laughs> and now and now we're good, so yeah. <laughs> we're gonna lose. Yeah. Uh, number twenty in the AP poll: Go on the road, beat Arkansas, come back, beat Vanderbilt. I mean, you're flirting with like 11th or 12th ranking. Yeah, 14 and one. I think so. <laughs> I don't want to look too far ahead in the schedule. And three and zero in the SEC, if that's the case. There's still going to be rough stretches, I think, this season because the SEC has some really good teams. Yeah, even some of these marginal teams on the road, like A and M or yeah. like Ole Miss, like Mississippi State. Those are tough games on the road. Yes. But I can't help but peek down to the very end of the schedule. We've got three out of five, three out of the last five games are at home, and the two road games are 99 Georgia, 75 LSU. Mm. There's an opportunity, no matter how the season goes, for a nice little five-game win streak to end the season. That'd be great. Don't look too far ahead. Just win them all. Might Un- as well. Undefeated SEC season. Number one seed in the NCAA tournament. The only loss in the on the whole schedule is to Kansas. Like a fifty point loss to Kansas that we witnessed in person, unfortunately. Oh man, that Mizzou team would lose in the first round of the NCAA oh, tournament. Absolutely. To like Alcorn State. Tyler Macon and Alcorn State. <laughs> Knock off Mizzou in the NCAA tournament. He might be playing for them. I don't know. They might need some guys. <laughs> Probably. All right. Mizzou basketball. We're ranked. We're feeling good um anything else coach gates i mean he's would you die for coach gates obviously i mean multiple times over yeah protect him at all costs at all costs um anything else that's it just about it just ran through it all right there Mm -hmm. um yeah happy new year anything Anything uh, in particular you want to see out of Mizzou football in the new year? Yeah. <laughs> More wins? Yeah. Uh, Sam Horn leads us to 
eight plus wins. That would make me a very happy person. That would be a nice 2023. Oh, yeah. 2023 for basketball. Let's just uh, – I'm still just going to keep it simple. Just give me an NCAA tournament appearance. This season? Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. all. Yeah. It's – yeah. Tournament or bust at this point. If you don't make it, something went horribly wrong. There's still plenty of time for that to happen. Oh, yeah. Doing all this without Isaiah Mosley, too. We're still, we're still Missouri. Yeah. Don't, don't forget that. Well, yes, but you're right. And at this point, it might stay that way. Yeah. It's like, okay, we're not going to, okay, we got to go just real quick. Mm-hmm. I've watched a ton of Isaiah Mosley. He's great. But I, I just wonder if he just doesn't mesh with this offense. Like, I start thinking about what does he do well, and I really start thinking about it, and he just kind of grinds you down. Like, he's not like a up-and-down-the-court kind of player like Missouri's offense is right now. I just wonder if that's part of it. Like, he just, like, would slow – I think he would legitimately slow down their offense. Yeah, I mean, you can point to a handful of possessions already this season. Where yeah, so he's it, just dribbling around, he, which he does his thing. He's yeah, great at it, yeah. but like, it just we're kind of moving. makes it feel a little disjointed. Yeah, we're scoring 90-plus. Yeah, I just can't imagine uh, that being the only – That's that can't be the only factor. No, but it is something. Yeah. Who knows? That'll you know. I would love to see him come back and and be a play a vital role in this team, but I'm not expecting anything at this point. Okay, here you want a crazy prediction? I've yes, got I one. do. Uh, we we're losing a lot of players next year. We reload, but we build the team around his skill set. Okay. And we just got you know spot up shooters, and we go get a shot blocking big. Mm. Boom, Isaiah Mosley time. I'd be happy. First team all SEC. I would love that. And Kobe Brown comes back for another year. That'd be something. I think he could. Yeah. Still a long way to go. It's a long way to go. Yeah. Not he yeah, his professional prospects, not great. We love him, but a little bit of a tweener. That's reality. Um, yeah, why not? Come back. But then that clashes with my other prediction. I don't think you can have both. Really? Yeah, because if Kobe comes back, you're building the offense around him and basically trying to do this year again, I feel like. If he's gone, then you go all in on the building around Isaiah Mosley, hmm. which, again, that's I'm just making stuff up. This is mostly a joke. Spitballing. This is a little bit of a bit that I'm doing. <laughs> Not exactly being hey, serious. Hey, basketball is good. We can do this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. It's fun. It's fun. All right. Well, uh, good to be back talking to you kyle good to be back in the ears of the listeners and uh yeah hope everybody has a good start to the new year happy 2023 anything else that's it special thank you to our patreon supporters at the ten dollar level and above brian smith ryan demore ben smith parker daddy jd tim keens tyler harsel brandon Groflo, and brandon hanks thank you Thank you, gentlemen. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter, at Mizzou Sports Pod. And you can, of course, email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our t-shirts and stickers at our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week after two wins.